Welcome back to another episode of The Sweet Spot. This is John Sherman from Practical Golf. And as always, I'm joined by Adam from Adam Young Golf. This episode of The Sweet Spot is brought to you by The Stack, the most advanced speed training system in golf. The Stack system pairs a single club, which is configurable into 30 resistance levels with an industry changing app. The Stack assesses your speed profile and provides customized programming. The app guides you through every swing, cheers when you set personal records, and clearly displays progress for key training metrics. The Stack was created by leading golf researcher Dr. Sasha McKenzie and VP of Fitting and Performance at Ping, Marty Jertson. Matt Fitzpatrick credited the Stack for the massive speed gains that helped him become the 2022 U.S. Open champion. I'll be honest, it worked wonders, he said. You deserve more speed. Check them out at thestacksystem.com and use promo code SWEETSPOT for 10% off your purchase. Once again, that's thestacksystem.com and use promo code SWEETSPOT for 10% off. So today we have another record-breaking guest appearance. We have Woody Lashin on his, is this your fifth? Your fifth appearance on The Sweet Spot. Welcome back. Oh, I'm a legend in my own mind. Thanks is, for having me, guys. Yeah, so. Thank you for coming back home. Yeah, your your segments have been incredibly popular. We always get good feedback. So just in case anyone doesn't know Woody, he is the co-owner of Pete's Golf Shop. They're one of the top club fitters in the country, and they're located in Metro New York on Long Island. And you guys have been in business for almost four decades now, correct? Yes, it's going to be 45 years. 45, sorry, four and a half decades. So they've seen it all. This is your first time listening to Woody. Go back in our library. We've done drivers, irons, wedges, and putter fittings and all the things you need to know. So not that any of the episodes on the sweet spot are in sequential order but those are in there if if you want to go back if you like this one what are we talking about today woody we're talking about three things fairway woods hybrids and driving irons yeah i think this is i feel like this topic gets more complicated every year not easy john well well, there's just more and more stuff that comes out now people are all about seven woods and i remember the Callaway Heavenwood when I was a teenager, that was the great club that everyone wanted. Now Sevenwoods are making a comeback, so people are asking about that. But yeah, there's so many options to cover that top gap of your bag between driver and, and the long iron. So, and a lot of players like myself have severe issues filling those gaps. You and I have worked very hard to fill those gaps over the years. So when someone comes to you looking to fill this gap. And I guess you have options of using all three of these or maybe just the fairway woods or a mixture. Where do you start with all this stuff? Because there's so many directions you can go. Well, I guess just like any other fitting, it starts with a question and answer session interview of trying to figure out what the player's needs are and the courses and conditions that they're playing that are going to give them the best set makeup to help them score their best. By the way, John, you were talking about the seven wood. For me, it was the uh, Stan Thompson Ginty when I was first working on wooden woods. <laughs> That's so funny you mentioned that lick. because my childhood friend, I think, was just in to see you for a fitting. And Ginty was one of the brands that we were obsessed with when we were younger and first taking up the <laughs> game. And I think he mentioned it to you. Yes, yes. So that that's I go back to I try to to date myself, but it was Ginty. And you know, it's so interesting that 
a lot of the feedback today is, oh, are seven woods for better players? And I'm going, wow, someone has done an amazing marketing job because <laughs> <laughs> it's always been the exact opposite, right? Off oh, you're a seven wood, you got to be a high handicap. Yeah. And, and thus with anything in golf, right? There's a lot of marketing mumbo jumbo. Hopefully today I will cut through some of that and I'll explain you the differences in the different golf clubs. And I know we got a lot of questions and hopefully I'll be able to answer all those questions. So yeah, we'll do our best. Does it make sense to do each one separately to maybe start with why there's it easier to explain kind of going yeah. through all of them? Your choice. I think we're going to go through all of them, but let's let's start with that interview, which is, if you guys know with, with any fitting, that's the critical time when you find out what someone's trying to do, what their goals are. Let's take our three segments, right? So we've got our fairy wood, our hybrid, and our driving iron, okay? And let's say we have one of those, all one of those clubs at 18 degrees. Okay, so let's assume that all three of those clubs are of the same loft. They're going to function completely differently because of the center of gravity and the moment of inertia in each golf club. So the 18-degree driving iron with the center of gravity the most forward is going to launch the lowest and spin the least of the three. I'm going to move back a little bit further from my hybrid, and I'm going to go back, which is what's going to launch a little higher and spin a little more. And then you're going to go back to a seven wood that's going to launch even higher and spin even more. Now, is that to do with shaft deflection or what? what is yeah, the we're just, we're just change just, there? We're just strictly talking head and we're talking about where I'm able to move the center of gravity. So if you just look at the face of the golf club, right? And you look from the face back, just think about as if I have a driver, I have a lot of weight far away from the face of the golf club. Okay. That's bringing the center of gravity much further back. It's going to give something a much more stable moment of inertia. However, as I bring it back, it goes higher on the face. When it goes higher on the face, obviously, the ball is going to spin more. Now, obviously, you hit something high in the face, it's not going to spin. You hit it lower on the face, it's going to spin more. We're talking about the same strike in the same exact place. So... Just think about if I have drivers, so I've got a low spin driver. What is a low spin driver? A low spin driver is the center of gravity is more forward. So the more forward it is, the lower it's going to be on the face of the golf club and the less it's going to spin. But we obviously, the holy grail of, I don't want to get back to drivers, but the holy grail of drivers is a driver with a center of gravity that's way back and way lower on the face, which they're working on. But if I simplify what I'm saying here is, do I want to launch low? Do I want to launch mid? Do I want to launch high? Okay, so if I want to launch low, I want more of a driving iron. If I want to launch mid, I want a hybrid. If I want to launch high, I want a seven wood. Now, there are positives and negatives to each of those clubs. So when I'm talking about moment of inertia, think of that as a forgiveness factor. As you know, with your gear effect, if I've got a driver, hit the ball in the toe of the club, for a righty, it's going to make the ball go left, hit the ball in the heel of the club, it's going to make the ball go right. Correct? Well, yeah. on a, let's say a driving iron, there isn't a whole lot of moment inertia because you're not moving the weight back very much. So that toe strike might actually go to the right because the club might twist open. Whereas on the seven wood, it might go, or I should say the hybrid, it might go a little more left. And then the seven wood starting to get a little more stable. So it might not go as far left. There's positive and negative to each one of these things. The seven one's going to get the ball up in the air the easiest. The driving iron's going to hit the ball the lowest. So what do I need? So let's take player A. Player A has a lot of speed, and they hit the ball extremely high. They don't have any problem getting the ball in the air. 
that player may very well be a driving iron candidate. And when you say, just to clarify for people, what what is considered a driving iron these days? Is it like a two iron? What loft yeah, is it I cut mean, off? Yeah, I mean, something that's, let's say, uh, 16 or 17 degrees to 22 degrees. Every company has them. They have degrees on them or numbers, you know, two, three, four. They're two, three, and four iron replacements is what they are. Would you say that... I don't want to paint you into the corner, but what I always try to do, but well, I always ask you like a a rule of thumb and you're like, well, John, there is no rule of thumb. But (laughs) my suspicion is that most golfers who are coming through your door are not being fit with driving irons just because they're harder to hit to get the ball in the air. Most golfers need help getting ball in, in the air with, with lower lofted clubs. Is it? That is correct. I would say that the club that we use the least in fittings is a driving iron. And the primary reason is you need to have a lot of speed. You need a lot of speed. And you need to deliver a lot of loft too, right? Yeah, and you, yeah a lot of speed. And I hate to say a lot of talent because there are some young guys that have lots of speed and, you know, they're hitting the ball all over, all over the place and they might be, that's the perfect club for them. But it's the one we use the least. And the problem is, that's, folks, so let's say you don't have a lot of speed. That club off the ground is going to be much harder to get the ball to stop on a green then is either a hybrid or a seven wood. So if I'm hitting it off the ground into a green and I'm trying to get it to where I can carry it and stop it, I've got to have a lot of speed to make it work. And just think about any golf ball traveling, right? So the if we've got balls that are all launching at the same launch conditions, but as the ball speed gets greater, the ball gets higher and higher and higher and higher, right? So for the average golfer, the lower speed, they need help getting the ball up in the air. You're going to see way more seven woods the club of choice for the past 20 years for those things has been hybrids if i get back a little bit to the marketing thing why did seven woods and even nine woods to some extent extent kind of be pushed out was because the marketers said we have these great hybrids we'll still sell hybrids we don't need to sell these fairy woods meanwhile the fairy wood might have been a lot better for a lot of those players than the hybrid was but the marketing people came along and said, no, no, I need rescue clubs. I need to have, give me a two, three, four rescue. Well, you probably shouldn't have a two rescue in your bag because you can't get the ball up in the air enough. But that's what the marketing people got into their and in pe- people's heads. And only recently where some tour pros now, because the golf ball is spinning so much less and they can control it, are going, hey, I've got to hit this 230-yard shot. 240 yard shot into a, a green. I'm going to hit as high as I can. Give me the seven wood. It goes, I'll go higher. So now you're kind of seeing it come back. I have been a huge proponent of higher lofted fairy woods for a longest time, but you know, emotionally people can't always wrap their heads around it. And so they're wanting to get the market stuff, which is hybrids. Now, by the way, hybrids are fantastic. Before you just turn back the clock to the days of the Ginty. There was no hybrid. There was no driving iron. It was a one or a two iron and a five or a seven wood. As I always say in fitting, folks, there's no definites in fitting, right? So there's what's going to work best for your game and there's what's going to work best for my game and what's best work for someone else's game. But if you want to simplify things a little bit, let's think of your five wood is the equivalent of your two hybrid is the equivalent of your two driving iron your seven wood is the equivalent of a three hybrid or a three driving iron nine wood equivalent of a four hybrid 
or a four iron. Now, uh, that's an oversimplification because as everyone who's listened to my segments knows that I could put the same loft on three clubs and have them all fly completely different. But I think if you start looking at it that from that standpoint of what am I trying to replace in my long game here, I think that helps kind of cut through a little bit. Oh, okay. Well, no, I don't want a five wood or no, I don't want a seven wood or I don't want a, a nine wood. And it makes it a little easier to figure out what's what. One question I was thinking about, and it's a topic we, it's our, our big three of ball striking skills that we talk a lot about on approach shots is, is turf interaction. How is the club interacting with the turf is a huge determinant of the quality of the approach shot. I've tried some driving irons and even three irons, four irons, and five irons. I think that's, aside from getting centered contact and applying enough loft, I think the biggest struggle for most golfers when you get to the long irons is turf interaction. And I know for me that having the hybrid and fairway wood, you know, as opposed to carrying, I don't even carry a three iron anymore. We even would try a two iron because the turf interaction is so hard. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? The relief that is built into the hybrids and the fairway woods versus the driving iron. So you're feeling it probably a little more as turf interaction, but it's really more center gravity being further back. Okay. Making it a lot easier if you make contact because the reality is you're not hitting down like you're hitting on a wedge. Well, it's kind of more shallow, sure. Yeah. So your angle of attack doesn't mean it, some people aren't, but in general. And so that way that club interacts the ground is really the width of the sole is a little more what's going to give you that reaction. Again, there's no best turf interaction for everyone. Everyone's different, right? So if a guy's steep, he's going to need something a lot different than if someone is hitting up on the golf ball. And that's the part of the art of trying to figure out what are we doing here? We go back to our first question, our interview question, right? So let's take player A. Player A says, I play my home course 90% of the time and I have a par three or par threes that I play that I need a club that goes 210 yards, 220 yards. Now, when the ball's on a tee, things are different than when the ball's on the ground, okay? Player B comes and says, well, I hardly ever play a a par three that is over 190 yards, but I play a lot of long par fours where I've got 210, 220, 230 into the green. I need a club to use off of the fairway and rough. And player C says, I don't drive the ball very far. And I often drive it in not so great lies. So I need help hitting the ball out of the rough and hitting, getting, advancing it as far as I possibly can down the fairway. So those three players may have three completely different needs. So player A, who's trying to use a couple off a tee, now the minute he's going to tee the ball up, he can use that, potentially use that driving iron or maybe even a long iron if we're looking at maybe a traditional four iron. Where's the player's strike miss? That Let's take that one player. I'll use that, a younger version of me, playing my golf course where I had 215, 220 on two par threes. I hooked the ball and missed the ball in a toe. Well, the problem with the hybrid is when I hit the ball more in a toe, there's more gear effect and the ball will go more left. So I never used a hybrid because that long iron replacement off the tee I didn't have a problem getting the ball in the air. And if I, my miss was much straighter with that driving iron or, or four iron replacement. 
That said, I always had a five wood in my bag for the same reason of the five wood, because it's got a little higher moment of inertia, didn't hook as much to the left as the hybrid would. And it was a little easier for me to hit out of bad lies or so-so lies that I'm going for a par five in two. Let's take player B. Player B is playing longer holes. They've got a lot of approach shots off the fairway and off the ground. That player might use maybe a seven wood, maybe a four or five hybrid. They're going to, they could even potentially use a nine wood depending upon. One of the problems gets with using the fairy woods is that they tend to create more spin, right? So if the ball's spinning too much, now you could have a ballooning problem and you'll have a problem where you'll have, if the person hits the ball a little heavy or they hit it at a rough, they'll have more of a flyer. So on that person, you might do much more on the hybrid side. Player C, we might put a nine wood or even an 11 wood in the bag and that player to help get the ball up in the air and make it easier to hit out of worse lies. Am I making sense there? Yeah. So it sounds like I sometimes think about the gear effect thing with hybrids is a, is a big deal. It's a really, and I, I'm someone who loves my my three hybrid. I've had one for over 10 years, but I know that I don't strike it well, that I'm going to have some bigger issues with lateral dispersion than I would with a four iron, for example. One of the questions I think that keeps coming up, and maybe we can address it now, this is, you, know, you see this on whether it's club forums, everything, it, the, the hooking issue with hybrids. Can you address that? Because that's one of the things where people said, well, why? I love my hybrids, but why wouldn't I get a two iron hybrid instead of a three wood or a lower lofted hybrid? And everyone's like, because you're going to hook the hell out of it. Can you talk about that? Well, so- Is that, that true? The, I'm not so sure that that's true, that, that if that person loves their hybrids, that they're going to hook a two hybrid too much. I think the problem might be they won't get the two hybrid in the air enough. I think that's more of the bigger problem because the center of gravity is not far enough back off the face of the golf club. So they'll become diminishing returns where that two hybrid is simply not going to go in the air much further than the three hybrid would, maybe a couple of yards. Yes, it's going to be flying a little lower, so it in theory would roll more, but that's not going to be consistent at all. And we'll see a lot of those players and say, give me that two hybrid. When they really think about it, they realize that they probably, on average, hit it the same distance as the three hybrid. Every once in a while, they get it, it scoots up, it rolls up, but that player would be much, much better off with a five wood. Which is quite a quite... When you hit the ball in the toe of a golf club, there's a lot more going to be gearing effect in that hybrid than it will be in any other club. Because the center of gravity is back, but not far enough back, so it's really gearing... And you can really hook it. You know, it's interesting. When the hybrids first came out, I talked to a couple of engineers. They're like, why wouldn't you just get a seven wood? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why wouldn't you just get a five wood? So, but the one thing we have to remember in golf is golf. There's a very emotional issue in golf, right? So I don't think I can hit something. I cannot hit it. I think I can hit something. I've got a much better chance of using it. So when that person... Gets to, let's say the fairway, which is longer. They may have a hard time with the club being longer. There's a lot of people that the minute you get those clubs being longer, they start doing very different things with their patterns, as I'm sure Adam can tell you. And they will be more consistent in their patterns with a shorter golf club. Thus, the hybrid being way better. 
would you not, if you had someone who came into your studio and you see on the foresight, the GC quad, you can see their impact location. You see that they're a toe striker. That's generally their miss if they are going to miss. Would you not put that player in a hybrid because of that? What kind of toe striker? Is this someone that's coming across the ball with, a, with an open face? That toe strike sometimes can make the ball go straighter, correct? Exactly. Because for right? me, I'm the opposite. I'm a heel striker with the inside pattern. So that's a great matchup for me with my hybrid. If I heal it, maybe I'll hit a baby fade. It's fine. But if I'm toe striking it, I'm toast. <laughs> correct. Correct. So it's, I would say if you're more of an in to out player, yeah, I would yeah, try to get them more into a fairwood. If they're more an out to in player, I'd probably try to get them more into a hybrid. Can you move the center of gravity more in a fairway wood laterally, or is that not? Is that really mostly a driver thing? So the answer is yes. Some manufacturers do it. Some manufacturers do it great. So to get that player that tends to hit the ball on the heel, or they tend to leave the face open, and I'm going to move that CG more towards the heel to help them close the club face or get better solid contact when they hit the ball on the heel, you really can't do it very well at all with a hybrid. So... Again, your MOI is just simply not high enough to start making that and have it be stable at all to work. Any manufacturer has tried making the movable weights. There's still a few of them. And remember, folks, those movable weights, like move from the heel to the toe, you're moving the CG just a minor amount. When they design it in there, they can move it a lot more. But when the minute they have to put rails and make things move, it's not not something that... Uh, something I would very, very rarely use in a hybrid for any player. doesn't matter what level. So when the center of gravity moves back on a club, you've got these two competing things. The gear effect can increase as, as it moves back, but also the MOI or resistance to twisting increases. Is that correct? Correct. correct. So, so I suppose that you get, you get the hybrid is almost the worst of both worlds because it's back enough that gear effect is increased, but not so far back that the club is more stable, right? It's like the correct. worst of both worlds, at least in terms of toe and heel gearing. Interesting. So, um, I mean, you can counteract gear effect then with bulge and roll on the club face. Yep. So I suppose in terms of designing, they should really design hybrids with increased face curvature, right? Increased bulge and roll compared. They do. Again, there's a limited amount you can do. Hybrids are great clubs. What's the advantage then, in your opinion, of it? Or when would you? Well, I, I guess I would give say, me a scenario. Let's, so let's say that we got a player that doesn't get the ball in the air very well, and they hit their six iron 175 yards. But their five iron doesn't go very far. It might go to the same 175, just not getting up in the air enough. I may very, that player, five hybrid, fantastic. It's going to get the ball up in the air a little bit more. The dispersion left and right on the toe or heel strike isn't going to be nearly as great missing it left or right. It's a little bigger golf club. It's a little more confidence. I'm going to give that player a five hybrid. I might even, from an emotional standpoint, give that player a four hybrid even though it might not really go the distance that we want it to go. I have a lot of players now that I'm giving them eight hybrids. If they don't create the lift, they don't create enough spin, they don't create enough launch, one of that combination, the hybrid is going to, one of the guys that works for me is using an eight hybrid. He's a good player, but he does not create very low spin player. And he needs as much help getting that ball in the air. And he is, way better with that golf club than he would with his corresponding eight iron. 
my three hybrid has been a savior in my game for over a decade. <laughs> it's just it's it's such a again not for everyone, but if you gave me a three iron, I could not get it up in the air and hit it as far as I do with the hybrid. And I think I'm more. I just don't like fairway woods as much as hybrids. I'm more emotionally stable with the, <laughs> with the hybrid. I just look down on it. I have more confidence. We have the five wood that you made me that I'm hitting well now, but I, I hit that three hybrid still. You know, you talk about the gap in your bag. I can hit a four iron. Maybe I could fly at 200, 205, 210, something like that. But if you gave me a three iron, I'd probably fly at the same amount, right? Because I couldn't get it up in Correct. the air as much. I hit a torpedo. Yeah. Oh, wait, Adam, there's all different formulas for the scent angle and what we're looking for with it. But you're getting too specific for me to talk about here because, <laughs> you know, ball speed, launch angle, spin rate. Well, this person can can use a five iron. This person can't. There's all yeah. kinds of formulas. But as I always say, too, that's that emotional component. In John's case, let's say you said, well, he's hitting that. He's spending that three hybrid too much, which we know he's not. But let's just say he was. Emotionally, he needs the hybrid because he feels comfortable with it. He would not feel comfortable with it, a three iron. Right. So that emotional component is huge in choosing these clubs because we have three clubs that can all do the same job. Yes, one may do the job way better than the other, but emotionally, I don't like the look of that big club. I want the look of the small club. I like to feel the shorter club. I like the feel of a longer club. I like to sweep it more with the fairy wood. I want to hit down it more with a driving iron type thing. So there's a huge emotional component there. You know, one of the questions I know we got a lot about is figuring out the gaps, right? Yeah, that, that's well, exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. So the higher your speed, the easier it's going to be to get consistent gaps, whether it's 12 or 15 yards or 10 yards, whatever it is, in between your clubs. As your speed gets lower and lower and lower, those gaps are going to get closer and closer and closer together in those longer clubs. And you simply may not be able to get the gaps by using 14 clubs. You might be able to get the gaps using 13 clubs or 12 clubs. So for example, someone might have a five wood and a five hybrid and a six iron. You say, well, where's the four hybrid? Well, the four hybrid, if you've got 12 yards of distance between that five wood and that five hybrid, we need a six yard club in the middle of that. I don't think so. Would that give you more options for the lower swing speed players? Would that give you more options than for wedge makeup? Give them some more stuff down there? Or you, some people you just send them yeah, out the door that, with 12 that, clubs? Yeah, but that player historically also doesn't need that many wedges. <laughs> so as yeah, many, so. As many wedges. But what you might be able to do with that person is give them sometimes two clubs that go similar distances but fly two different flights. Got it. Right? So I might have, hey, you need to hit one lower. Let's hit this hybrid. You need to hit a higher Let's hit the fairy wood. So you can give them options that way. Or have two different dispersions as well, because I know I, I have a, a two iron. That's not even a two driving iron. It's one of the older ones with, uh, you know, much more blade-like. And then I have a two hybrid as well. And they both go about the same distance. But if I'm to hit 100 balls with each club, the two iron has a tighter dispersion laterally. So left and right is tighter, but the length dispersion is bigger because on an off-center hit, it goes straight because there's no gear effect with this two iron, but you lose more distance because the sweet spot is smaller. Whereas when I use the hybrid, it seems like the distance is more consistent, but the direction is less consistent. 
So I almost use those uh, depending on the scenario in front of me. If I have a tight tree-lined fairway that I'm trying to hit a fairway finder, I'm going to hit the two iron. Whereas if I have to carry over water to a a quite a wide green, I'm going to opt for more of the two hybrid. Yes, exactly. And that's the conditions, right? So where you're playing, like, you know, when the pros go overseas and they start playing in the, in the open championship, a lot of times you'll see them putting that two iron type club in their bag. Why? Because they're using it off the team more. So if they miss it short, it doesn't hurt them so much, right? It, it might not roll quite out as far as I want, but it's in play. If they miss it left and right, they're in that, in the berm, they're in big trouble. So whereas when you're playing target golf, where it's soft conditions and they need that ball up in the air. They got to carry it there. They can't afford it being short, right? They're hitting it off the ground into a par five and two. So that short miss might be much more of disaster. You've got to the conditions you're playing at and the shots you're playing at, and you may want to carry both of those clubs, right? Now that means you're going to have a bigger gap someplace else in your bag. There's no right or wrong for that. That's the, each player is able to hit certain shots and not hit other shots. And, you want the best 14 clubs for your game for you to play the best. I suppose that with the increased gear effect, we always talk about gear effect in terms of toes, hook, and heels fade. But there's also the vertical component to it as well. If you hit it lower on the face, that ball is going to start lower and spin more. And higher on the face, you'll start to launch the ball a bit higher with less spin. And so that can create more variance in distance outcome as well so i suppose if you have a player who has high variance in vertical strike you know they're hitting low on the face then high on the face they're going to suffer in terms of distance control more if they use a club with increased gear effect like a hybrid is that right not as much because when they hit that too high on the face on that more driving iron it's not going to go anywhere it's not going to have any right. oomph to it. So it's not it's not going to go. And it's going to be quite low spin. It depends on the shot that they're trying to hit, Adam. Right? Yeah. So the other thing is, are we hitting the ball off the tee where I can tee the ball up and do things, even maybe hit up on a little bit? Or I'm, I, it's a ball on the ground? and Or in the, the first cut or in the rough when I've got to get down it more? What shots am I trying to use that club for? That hybrid driving iron? Seven wood. I was just thinking in terms of like when I, it's probably anecdotal, but when I'm playing, if I'm playing in windy conditions and I'm hitting a shot into the wind, I would feel, and this is probably the anecdotal part, I would feel more confident of hitting the right distance with an iron, with a, with a one iron or something like that. Whereas if I use the hybrid, I would see more balloony shots you know high spins that you know i catch it a little low on the face and then it balloons into that wind or maybe i catch it high on the face and then it just cuts right through the wind almost like a flyer and so personally i almost feel like there's a greater dispersion but like you said there's probably that you're outweighing it by the loss of distance by missing the sweet spot as well you know if you yeah. with an iron you're going to get an increased loss of distance by hitting it low or high on the face so yeah it's uh We are going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. If you want to support our show, make sure to check out our sponsor, LinkedIn, by visiting linkedin.com slash sweetspot to post your job for free. When you're hiring for your small business, it's essential that you get quality and qualified professionals, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn Jobs can help you find the right people for your team with the fast and free tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a network of more than a billion professionals, many of which you can't find elsewhere. And this makes LinkedIn the best place to hire while making the process easy and intuitive. Because of how easy it is with LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses find qualified candidates in less than 24 hours. LinkedIn have just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier. That's why two and a half million businesses trust LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash sweet spot. That's linkedin.com slash sweet spot to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Link is in the show notes. I'll give you an example in my, in my own game. The last bunch of years I've been using a four driving iron, right? I don't, I knew I need to get the ball up in the air more than so than a traditional four iron, but I still hit that club 215 and I still use it on par threes. And earlier this season, one of the guys that plays me goes, you know, man, you missed that club a lot. I'm like, what do you mean missed that club? I had, I had it great. Well, I went and look at the stats. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. My good shots are really good. My bad shots are really bad. I'm a relatively good fairywood player. So I said, let me try a seven wood. My misses with the seven wood are way better than that of that four driving iron. Way better. Disadvantage for me is a seven wood spins a lot more. And so into the wind places, uh, I've hit balls over greens where I was in a rough, right? It jumped just a little bit and ball didn't spin. The ball went over the green. Then I would never hit the ball over the green with that four driving iron. But when I go back and look at my stats and I go, where am I hitting more greens with? Where am I hitting more shots that are causing me trouble? The seven wood is hands down better than that four driving iron in my personal game. So you have to look at each individual's, where you're playing, what you're doing. You know, remember, everyone thinks, oh, I want to get the ball low and get it to roll. Remember, when it's doing that, it's also probably not going as straight, right? Ground offers a lot more resistance. And if it's rolling a little left, or it's rolling a little right, it's rolling left into the left rough or rolling right into the right rough. And if it's spinning and it's stopping in the fairway, it's staying a little straighter. Do you want to talk about lie angle a bit? That was one of the questions we got. And we know that, you know, we've learned from you and we've discussed on other episodes that as loft increases, lie angle becomes more important. So for wedge fitting, it's crucially important to have lie angle and irons too. But you are hitting a lot of these clubs off the turf and there's more adjustability in these hybrids and fairway woods for lie angle. So let's talk about that. What's the influence and the decision? Obviously, as we have less loft, lie means is less important. However, lie also can affect, more importantly, on a fairwood or a hybrid, strike location. So let's say, for example, my toe is way up in the air. My propensity maybe hit the ball way more in the heel on that shot. If my toe is buried into the ground, so my club is toe down, uh, my propensity maybe hit the ball more in the toe of the golf club. So getting the right lie angle there is probably going to give you a better chance to access the center of the golf club. I will tell you that for the better player and as a fitter, it's very frustrating to me because most companies make their fairwoods and their hybrids crazy upright. Why do they do this? Well, the average golfer loses the ball to the right. They're trying to do everything they possibly can to get that club to close down and not go to the right. And 
we'll make it more and more upright. Well, players with some consistency are all of a sudden now striking the ball on the heel, and now the ball's going right instead of it shouldn't be going right. So it's inevitable that we tend to sell a lot of clubs where we can go flatter or we can bend them flatter. We did that with the G425 you gave me. We were able yep. to adjust that flatter. That worked great. That's one of my favorite ones. You can go, it's, it's a little flat to begin with compared to everybody else. Yep. And you can go a degree and a half flatter. It's one of my favorite go-tos for that. Because John, for example, right, you're a heel strike. You come in, your irons are flat to begin with. So we know that you're probably presenting more heel first. And if I give you a super upright hybrid, you're going to probably hit the ball more in the heel more. Now you're hitting, now you're losing the ball more, more to the right on swings. You feel like you shouldn't, and you're not going to get the consistency out of that hybrid because you can't consistently get the center of the golf club. Well, you know what I noticed between, cause I had that Adams hybrid, which was a legendary club. <laughs> that was a great club, but I, I tend to hook that more cause that was probably quite upright. I played that club for 10 years and I noticed over the past year playing with the ping, I'm hitting more of those high floaters, even fadish type shots with it, which has been way better for uh, green approaches. Off the tee, like, yeah, hitting that kind of hookish one gave me more distance probably. But for approach play, it's been much better to get the – and I'm getting a little bit more spin and a little bit more launch angle. So that was like a home run in terms of the matchups. Yeah, so that's – to me, Lyangle is and, – and Fairywoods too, by the way. They make these things so upright. And also, just think about it, your average player, right? They come across – the golf club, they're inevitably maybe casting, so the toe is hitting the ground first. So the more upright I make it, the more solid that person's going to hit the golf ball. And that's your, you know, your masses. When I am fitting someone, it's an individual. They are who they are, whether it's Adam, whether it's John, or whether it's Mr. Listener, Mrs. Listener. It's what you do, and you need what you do. And Lionel is a critical component to hybrids and fairy woods. Can you, are there fairy woods with adjustable lie angle on it or do you have to like hot So <laughs> the answer is yes, there's a few. There are some that you can bend. When you go start bending these things, they can break. So we are going to bend them if someone's got to have a little bit of an appetite or we'd be, have to be able to say, okay, if we break one. Your bill just went up it. double. <laughs> yeah, right. Or can I break one and, and suck it up? We know the ones that we can bend easier than others. We actually have some special bending blocks for one manufacturer that allow us to have a really high success rate. Didn't you tell me a story once that with drivers, because they're so upright, they would just, in tour vans, they would bend, bend, bend. And if they snapped seven of them, they didn't care because, you know, there's millions of dollars at stake. I was in a tailor-made truck, I don't know, 20 some odd years ago. And VJ Singh wanted a flat, open face driver and... I watched the guy break seven drivers. <laughs> yeah, that was the story you told me. <laughs> that <laughs> that didn't break. So if you're paying for those seven drivers, it's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get a little expensive. <laughs> so don't let people expect if they visit to to see you guys at Pete's Golf that you're going to be snapping uh, fairway woods for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's an economic. We want to help people as best we can, but we, you know, we got to be able to stay in business to help people, right? So. So with the lie angle, it sounds like it's more of a strike location issue than it is because if you have too upright of like a wedge, for example, that's going to affect things more directionally. Correct. That's your, well, it's your deep plane, classic yeah, that, deep plane stuff, yes. right? More loft, more balls going to go left or right, less loft. You've got on a putter, 
you could lie and could be all over the place and it's not going to really affect where the ball goes at all. Right, but so it sounds so. But if the penalty is the strike on the face, then you are going to have directional issues because of gear effect. Correct, and thus way more important when I've got more gear effect golf club. Yep, makes sense. Do we want to talk about shafts combinations? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, would, I would assume it's a lot of people are obviously using graphite shafts and fairway woods and hybrids. But what are the matchups you're looking for? How does it differ? Again, my number one thing with shaft is to try and help someone repeatedly find the center of the golf club. I do that with every club, right? And then number two, when we find a shaft that does that, if we can find a shaft that does that, and then also works to launch the ball in the conditions that the person needs the ball to launch, they need to launch higher, needs to launch lower. If we can do both of those things, that's a home run. If, for example, we, well, the, the guy is a low launch player and we give him a very stiff shaft at golf club, that may lower the launch. But again, if they can find the center of the club face, that's way better than one where, you know, launch is high, but they can't find the center of the club face. The, the consistency is going to be gone. What's very interesting in, let's, let's talk, let's talk fairy wood shafts first, right? So it's very interesting. The majority of shafts in fairy woods are just driver shafts that are, historically 10 grams heavier and they tip we tip them a little bit more and they're made shorter that's what the standard is so let's assume you have a 60 gram shaft in your driver they're going to give you a 70 gram shaft in your fairwood 10 grams heavier why it's standard driver day is 45 and a half standard three wood is 43 inches it's shorter i should use a heavier shaft that's how you're going to buy them off the rack that may not be at all what you need we do a lot of 60-gram shafts in fairy woods. As swings get with less and less speed, you might have the same weight shaft in, in your driver that you do in your hybrid. So it's very specific to the individual. The other thing is we're seeing a little more of this. So we've had some great ones in the past where manufacturers are actually designing a shaft at fairy wood length. So instead of taking, well, we got a 46-inch blank driver shaft, and if you want to put in a fairwood shaft, I'll just take the, the heavier version over here. Well, we're going to design a shaft at 43 inches, and we're going to design it for the heavier mass of a fairwood head. And some of those are fantastic. Some of them don't work at all, obviously. It's, again, player dependent. Most of those fairwood-specific shafts are heavier. There are some that are not. Then you go to hybrids. So a hybrid's really interesting. Most hybrids forever have used uh, iron shafts in the hybrid. And that's good, but it provides a very different feel. Very few have used wood shafts in the hybrid. Why? Because you take that 46-inch blank and you cut it down, you're going to have a hard time getting the grip on it and making it even look somewhat normal. Unless you really design that, and if you're really designing it, well, we can make our own hybrid shaft and not have to have this really thin part where my grip is. But we're again seeing a little more and more and more where they're designing specific hybrid shafts designed for the even the heavier mass of the hybrid head. But again, those don't necessarily work for everybody, right? So, for example, you typically say, well, on a robot, I'm going to need more lift on a hybrid, on a fairwood, right? I'm going to need to, I'm hitting the ball off the ground now. I can't up, hit up on it as much. I need as much lift as possible. Let's make the, the tip of that shaft softer. And it works great for a robot. 
problems for a human that might make them hit the ball in the, in the toe and the heel way more often. And now they can't, their dispersion is no good. So yeah, they're launching it higher, but the dispersion is no good. So we need to find something that's going to, let's get the dispersion to be much tighter first. And then we'll worry about launch conditions by adjusting loft. Will you look to the profile of their driver or iron shafts for guidance, or can it be completely different? I like to look at those two things for guidance. That doesn't mean it might not be a little bit different, but in a perfect world, I've done your irons first. I did your driver second. Now I'm doing your somewhere between your driver and the longest iron that we feel you can use, right? So that's Fairwoods hybrid driving iron. If I've got what's giving you your best pattern results with your driver and what's giving your best pattern results with your iron, I've got a really good idea of where we're going to start here. And if we start, boom, makes it much easier. You know, one of the things I preach a lot in my fittings too is that you want to be as consistent as you can with your equipment. So if you look at a tour player's bag, they might have a, a three-wood of one model, a five-wood from another brand, and then a hybrid from another company. And you say, well, they're all, well, but they made those clubs all work specifically for that player. So they're probably a lot more consistent than you think. But if you're Joe Average player, or Jill Average player, if I'm getting hybrids, boy, they should be the same everything, right? So I'm getting a, a five and six hybrid, a four, five and six hybrid, a three, four and five hybrid, three and four hybrid, whatever it is, they should be the same so that I don't have a hybrid, a three hybrid from one and a four hybrid from another. Now my center of gravity is going to be different. I'm going to have to swing those two clubs different. And it's going to be a lot harder to be consistent when you do that. And I am trying to find a way to make that flow from the driver down through the iron to give my player the most consistency that I can in their equipment to allow them to be the most consistent. Will you ever go shorter length on fairway woods or hybrids? All the time, sure. Yeah. I mean, do you think that my feeling, and maybe this is because I'm five foot eight, when I swing like my five wood versus my hybrid, you know, my instinct is almost to like grip down on the fairway wood more just because when you're hitting a club off the ground, the longer the shaft is, obviously the harder it's going to be to strike the face. And the trade-off there would be, well, if you shorten the shaft, can you help the player access the face more often? Is that something you try and is that a trend you use with fittings? The answer is absolutely yes. I think that they most manufacturers make these fairwoods and their and their hybrids to a lot of extent just way too long because it's all about distance, the distance, right? right? Yeah. Well, but can you imagine that they're trying to sell a four hybrid on the home run principle, right? Which I just I don't get it all, right? Well, so, if someone steps up in a golf galaxy and hits that thing 230 yards <laughs> off the deck, they're going to be like, oh, well, I'm going to use this on every par five. I mean, it makes sense, right? But if you're swinging for the fences every time and you're hitting it on the toe and the heel, then that ball's going all over the place on the course. <laughs> but again, my the home run principle, got, he hit, hits at one four third. The one shot he hit 430, but his average shot was, I'm sorry, it was 230. His, his average shot is 210. I'll take an average of 220 with a home run of 222 or 225 all yeah. day long, right? So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the most consistency and a lot of times going shorter. I just want to reiterate this concept to people because Woody has talked 
to me about the home run swing for years on every fitting, driver, whatever. And I think that's something that people get sucked into when they're looking to purchase clubs and they try them is that that one shot where you have no pressure on you and you connect and the ball just, I know we all want to hit it as far as possible, but you know, as I've gotten better at this game, even at a high level, like I'm not striking my driver on the center of the face all the time. I'm, it, it's more about what he's saying is managing your average strikes and what matches up better there. And that's not just for hybrids and fairway woods. It's a universal concept. I just wanted to like take a second there and talk about that because so many people make purchasing decisions based on those one or two, you call them the home run swings, and it just doesn't work that way on the golf course. Absolutely. It's the question of when someone's going to get golf clubs that are being sold or are they being giving advice to get the best equipment that will help them enjoy the game the most that they possibly can. Yeah. I had that when I got a driver fit for me. I was looking between a – I shouldn't use the brands, but there was brand A that hit the ball the longest or the, the home run swing with that club was the longest. And the other one was only five yards shorter. And the one that was getting pushed to me was that first club, the longest one. Whereas I looked at the data and said, well, wait there, my standard deviation directionally was a good five to 10 yards less, I think, with the second club. So I'm like, I know, I know distance is a big thing, but you know, there were some big outliers with club one and not so many with the shorter club. So I decided to get the shorter club, the, the shorter hitting club. So, I, you know, I forgave that five or six yards, but I hit so many more fairways as a result of it. And in terms of strokes gained, it would actually be more beneficial for me to do that, even even with the distance loss. So, yeah, it's not always looking at the longest one because that's what people get sold on, right? Usually they get pushed towards, oh, look how look how much longer this is than your old one. And it's you have to look at more, more than just that. You know, Adam, and I think the key to that is the education of the fitter because if you come to me to buy, we're doing fairwoods, right? How many swings can you give me before your swing starts deteriorating? So you're not going to be able to hit a hundred shots. You're not going to get good data that way. So I have to be able to, by watching you and to know, I, I have to go in this direction here. If I'm trying to sell someone something, I'm going to, you know, that person's going to go in a totally different direction because they know, Oh, look at this, Adam, you're hitting your three wood, you know, 265. This is great. And then you go and you're like, yeah, I hit a 265 in the woods. Hmm. So the education of that, of the fitter, because you're given so limited amount of good swings that someone's going to give you to help guide them in the right direction. Yeah, it's a tough job. Listen, I think it's like it's any other thing that, that people to do if you are trying to get better and trying to learn and get better at their craft. I am always trying to learn and get better at their craft. I'm currently planning a trip to go spend time with three of the big four OEM engineering teams to understand what they're trying to do when they're designing in the golf club so that I can, and I'm bringing my entire, everyone who fits for me is coming on this trip so that they can have a better, you know, how much is that really going to help them? Well, if they have a better idea of how the club was designed and what the engineers were thinking about when they designed that golf club, they'll do a better job of helping that person get better equipment similar just like teaching if someone says oh i know everything i'm the greatest teacher ever i kind of get scared by that right because there's always something to learn mm -hmm. that's Maybe. good that you're doing that hopefully you can share some of those insights with us when you get back i'd love to maybe we Absolutely can uh 
I think maybe I'm always thinking of new episode ideas for you. Maybe one could be (laughs) a consumer education or buyer beware one to let people know what tricks to avoid when they go. Because not everyone's able. I know we have a lot of listeners who've traveled to see you, Woody, which is so cool. But, you know, one of the the struggles people have when we air these episodes are like, where do I go? I live in, you know, so-and-so in the United States or even in Europe or somewhere else. And a lot of these retailers will play tricks on you. So maybe you can do an episode on uh, the tricks to watch out for if you're so inclined. <laughs> sure. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Listen, there are a lot of great fitters. I know some around the country. I don't know. I'm sure I've, though far from all of them, right? <laughs> and people email me all the time. Hey, I live here. I can't get there. Do you know anybody? Sometimes the answer is yes. Unfortunately, most of the time the answer is no. I, I just try and give them the best advice that I can. And I think that's a that might not be a bad episode to do at some point. It's on my list. All right. So with shafts, it sounds like going shorter could be a great idea for a lot of players. Yes. One of the things I've noticed working with you all these years, and I always ask you like, what's next in technology? And one of the answers you often give is adjustability, giving fitters more options. So like when you have these hybrids and fairway woods now versus 5, 10, 15 years ago, adjustability, the loft, the lie angle, center of gravity. Can you talk a little bit about that and warn golfers not to play around with it as well? Because with those options becomes more opportunities for players to tinker with their wrench on the range. I think the biggest thing that we have today is loft adjustability. And that's going to make it easier for me to maybe dial in the best gaps for a player. Or again, we're going to get so many swings say, okay, well, we, we, this is what we're seeing works best today, but we can adjust this if you come out and say, hey, listen, I'm having a 18-yard gap here, not a 15-yard gap here. I'm having a 10-yard a gap, not a 12-yard gap. We can add loft, take loft away from the fairways and hybrids, accomplish those gap issues that without bending one, and now again, there's this, this snapping issue you could not do before. Again, center of gravity, in a fairway to hybrid adjustability left and right, you're probably going to get something that's going to suit best for your strike location, and that's probably not going to change. As far as lie angle, unless you change your swing dramatically, you're probably not going to change the lie angle either, but the loft is something that almost everyone may want to change, and that adjustability is is just, it's huge in being able to, st- to be in confidence to say something, hey, we, we got these two hybrids, um, and if we need to adjust them, we can because we've got swing the loft this way or that way. Or, hey, look, I'm going to give you a hybrid that says three on the bottom and a hybrid that says five on the bottom, but guess what? The three hybrid, I'm adding a little bit of loft, and the five hybrid, I'm taking a little bit loft off, and that's going to give us our perfect gaps. Well, we wouldn't be able to do that before. I'm having visions of me texting you saying I added more loft to my hybrid and fairway when I probably angered you. But that, that it happened with me where I was just, I, I after you're know, playing with them and looking at the numbers, I'm like, I think I need another degree of loft because I just, you know, I need the height. But it, it, I think that the loft is definitely the greatest thing, especially for when you're using them on approach shots because, you know, a lot of golfers struggle with getting the ball high enough into the air to, to hold these greens and even get it up there. So it's, it's, it's been helpful for me. And I know a lot of other players, and I'm sure you have some players where you're going to have to decrease the loft as well. Correct. Yeah. You've got to do it 
both ways. And and sometimes the other thing is, you know, listen, our swings change, right? So I was de-lofting a little bit more. Now I'm not de-lofting as much. I can, if I can adjust the loft of the club to help me achieve the same trajectory without buying a new golf club, that's fantastic. Is there anything else talking with the OEMs? Do you have any predictions or some things that they've told you? Is there anything else further down the line with like customization in terms of adjusting the head? Or are there going to be more companies offering it? There's the cost of doing these things, right? There's the, the manufacturing cost of making something more adjustable and keeping it with the same performance. So that's some of the trade-offs are, oh, I've got more adjustability on this golf club, but guess what? I don't have as good a performance because I had to put more weight over here where I really didn't want to put the weight. But in order to make that adjustability, I had to add this weight over here. And so what's more important, the performance or the adjustability? And the manufacturers go back and forth and they're trying to find something obviously that fits both worlds, right? Where they're not sacrificing anything performance and yet they're giving you more adjustability. The other thing is those things cost a lot more money to manufacture. We've seen some companies get away from some of the adjustability. And the dirty secret probably is that it's, it costs a lot more to manufacture. And they're already charging a fortune for these golf clubs and they don't want to charge more. In some cases, if you put that adjustability in there, you're not going to get the same performance. So what's more important for each player and each design? And the great news for golfers is there's a lot of great golf clubs being built by all these different manufacturers. And there is something out there that's going to be best for your game. And if you're willing to be brand agnostic and say, I'll do whatever brand works best for me, you're probably going to have your best chances to find the best equipment that help you enjoy the game the most. Give people an example, because this is always the question it comes back to when you talk about being brand agnostic. So for example, you and me tried to, we searched for years for a fairway wood for me. And I just eventually kept losing faith in them. And then finally, we settled on this TaylorMade Sim 2, which has been phenomenal for me this year. You solved the problem, thankfully. But there was only a small amount of clubs to choose from for me because of the way I deliver the golf club. Just give people some tangible examples, whether it's a hybrid or the fairway wood, saying like, okay, you're a Callaway you're a Callaway guy and you buy the, the, the Callaway three wood or five wood, what potentially would they be giving up if they hadn't explored Ping or TaylorMade or, or the Cobra or the other ones? I think if you look at, think of it this way. So we've got, let's say two companies, right? And they have a great engineering team and they've got three models of fairy woods. Okay. So what they're trying to do is take every swing that's out there and group them into three buckets, right? Bucket A, bucket B, bucket C. Well, each manufacturer is going to group those swings into different buckets. So if his company is saying, okay, we've got 10,000 swings and we're going to make four models and we'll put 2,500 swings into each bucket, my buckets change as my manufacturers change. And so if I don't fall into that exact bucket that the manufacturer designed that model for, but another company said, oh, yes, the, you're, you're our target person. You do what we think the most people do in that target bucket. You're going to have better success because they can't build all these models. I remember going into, I won't mention the name of the company, but for drivers, they had at the time four models of driver for sale. In their tour truck, they had an additional eight versions of that driver for the tour player. 
Now, why is that? Well, they could sell those. The problem is they can't sell 12 versions of a driver. People aren't going to know which driver do I get. Then you really got to have a, have someone really guiding them exactly. That's a marketing nightmare and probably an inventory and manufacturing nightmare too. All those nightmares, right? But for the tour players, hey, we want to get them playing our club. So we want to try and have as many buckets as we can for each one of those players. So as a consumer, you're not a tour player. Even if you had access to that tour stuff, you don't swing like a tour player. <laughs> you swing the way you do. But you can have access to that same kind of fitting if you go to an independent guy who says, I'm going to got every brand that's, that's available here. Let's find what's best for you and let's find what engineering team designed something that's going to work best for your game, what you do. So you're looking for the player like, you know, you see a player with high spin delivers a lot of loft and in your head you're saying, okay, these heads are out, these heads are in, you know, stuff like that, where they're striking on the face. Correct. It's more about their patterns. So what are their patterns? What are they doing? And what is going to work best for that player? Our segment here, right, is the long game replacement. You've got three buckets there, driving iron, hybrid, fairy wood. There is no right answer. For anything, you might have a player that has a fairwood, a hybrid, and a driving iron. You might have a player that has only hybrids. You might have a fairway player that has only fairywoods. Uh, you might have a player that has none of them, and they've got a traditional two iron like Adam, Adam does and nothing else. So there's what's going to work best for your game and what will give you the best chance to enjoy this amazing game of golf as best as you possibly can. Of course. Well, I've got a question, but it's a it's a long one. There's parts to it. So. <laughs> we, got, we have plenty of time. It, uh... The question is, and some of these I'm sure might not be answerable, but if there was a robot swinging the clubs, which would have, and then the, the length of the question is, I'll ask different parts, different, different elements. So, you know, if, if a robot swung a two iron, a two hybrid, a two fairway wood or whatever, or the equivalent of, you know, the same loft, which would have the highest ball speed? Or would they all come out the same? I think to, it, a robot, they're all going to come out the same. Okay. So the a robot can hit the, of a wood. The robot can hit the ball right in the center of gravity or the ultimate or the optimum spot for that club to be hit loft being the same today you can do it with all of them so there's no is there a difference in the springiness of the face of these no, different clubs not today no. okay interesting okay if i'm giving you a traditional two iron then the answer would be yes it's going to have no spring to yeah. its fa face right but okay. we're talking about a hollow bodied driving iron i can get in the center of the face where the robot's going to hit it, maybe not. we're not going to hit the ball there, but the same amount of spring effect. No problem. Okay, and then on off-center hits, the robot is going to see higher ball speeds with the bigger-headed clubs, is that right? Yes, correct. What about spin rates? Or would that vary on head design? Is there a general rule? I mean, the general rule that is the seven wood's going to spin the most, hybrid the next least, and then the driving iron the least. And would there be more variance with one of those clubs? So say you to take that same robot and make it hit a quarter of an inch lower on the face for a few shots, then quarter of an inch higher on the face. Would there be one of those clubs with a lower spin standard deviation, so more consistent spin numbers? 
On a robot, I think the answer is no. Are going to be able to hit him in the same spot? I think the answer would be no. I deal with humans, so I don't, I don't test with robots. Adam, so I these don't are questions. Know. I know we, we both want to get Gene Parente on the show. These are questions yeah. for Gene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know Gene, uh, Woody? Yes. Yes, that would be great. We both have met him at different times, and we want to do a robot episode, and he's the robot guy. I'll tell you one of the interesting things that I saw about the robot. The robot actually has to warm up just like a human being does. Yeah, we heard that one. (laughs) Crazy, right? You're like, what do you mean, the robot robot has to warm up? (laughs) Yeah, robot's got to stretch. And you watch the first four or five shots, and the bullet just goes left and right, and then all of a sudden it's going and it's producing that center strike. It's crazy. What about launch angle then? So strike in the same place on the face, the one iron is going to launch lowest, you said? Correct. Yep. The hybrid a little higher and the seven one even higher. And that's all because okay. of center of gravity being Correct. in different positions. Correct. Okay. So is that then, the cent- if the loft is the same, but the center of gravity changes the launch angle, is that because the club head twists more during impact or is it due to lead, lead deflection? Here you're talking about center strike, right? Yeah. So we're, if we're talking robots hitting at the ball in the center strike, so it's very simple. The more I move the weight back, the higher it's going to go. And the more I move it forward, the lower it's going to go. On a robot, that's what it's going to do all day long. Horizontal launch angle. So if you if you're to hit a shot off the toe, for example, I suppose this one has mostly to do with face bulge, face face curvature. Which one would launch the ball more offline on a toe strike? The toe strike is probably going to go the most left on a hybrid and the straightest on an iron where it's not going to gear effect at all. You're talking about end result though. What about the initial launch angle? So I'm thinking of I played Edgewood Tahoe again this week and those tr- those fairways are very, very tree-lined off the tee. You've got a very small, narrow gap to slot it through. And I feel more confident hitting a two iron through there than yeah, I do a, sure. a, a hybrid because if I tow, it's say I tow us. a driver, it starts it starts more right than if I tow an iron. So yeah, of course, the fairwood's going to start more right, and the iron will start the straightest. Okay, sure. that makes sense. What about the what about the hybrid versus the fairway wood though? It's, it's in the middle. Is that tougher? Okay. Yeah, I mean, for off the tee, it's probably a lot tougher. What about off the ground? What about out of the rough? You know, you're talking about a tee shot, right? So the ball's on a tee. Things are a little bit different. There's no anything that can get in the way of that club striking the ball unless you would have hit a hit way fat. I can do that. But on the ground in a rough, all of a sudden I've got grass that can get in the way before my club strikes the ball. Things are going to maybe be a little bit different. What I would say to you, Adam, is that, is that your higher speed we're talking about a no, club to be used. Yeah, you're higher <laughs> speed in comparison to the average player, for sure. Uh, you're talking maybe. about something you're going to use <laughs> off the tee, off the right? Yeah. Not something that you're worried about hitting into a, a green where you've get a, you got to fly at 230 over water mm-hmm. yeah. on a par five, right? Yeah. So let's take that same shot, right? So how far do you hit that two iron of yours? In Vegas, probably about 230. Okay. 220. So... And you have a two hybrid and a two iron. So you're off the tee, you're, you're hitting that two iron. Now you got to fly it 220 over water on a par five into the green. Which club are you going to feel more confident using off the ground over the water? Hybrid. hybrid. There you go. And those are the things that when you're debating of what to do, 
where am I going to use that golf club? If I'm playing tree line clubs and I only need to hit it 230 off a tee, but I need to keep that ball in play, that might be a, that two iron's a way better club for you. But the minute I'm saying, no, I drive the ball pretty good, I'm going to be hitting this on a par four, par five, and I have to carry it over something, I need the club that's going to fly more consistently up in the air. That's your hybrid or maybe your fairy wood. Now, with turf interaction, why is it the better players prefer a thinner sole? Then, what is it that what does it give that better player that a thicker sole wouldn't? I, honestly, again, I think it's more emotional, and it's more it doesn't make a difference on a tee, right? It makes a difference when they're hitting the ball out of the rough or out of the lie, and they feel like, well, I don't want anything to bounce off the ground, so that I might hit it a little thin. And I think that's it's way more emotional, and I think. The problem with that is that you're applying something that may be very important for the five handicap and down, or maybe even the zero handicap and down. But for your average golfer, guess what? Which one's going to give you the better results? I see this very often where I don't want a seven wood. You know what? Take this and go play with this for a day and bring it back to me. Oh my gosh, I hit that thing amazing. I didn't think that big head, I could get it out of the rough. Well, center gravity's lower. You can get it out of the rough better. They thought, oh, his big head, I can't hit it out of rough. So a lot of that is perceived as opposed to reality. Perception for the better the player, the more that they can make that reality. I guess, I mean, it always, all this, this stuff gets really messy when we include humans because, because of what you said, the perception of things. If someone stands over a club and they don't like the look of it, that can change how they swing it, which is going to change the outcomes. I'd almost want to see tests where robots are hitting not just perfect shots, but robots are hitting intentionally half an inch behind, then intentionally one inch behind, then intentionally one and a half inches behind, and seeing how that soul interaction changes the outcomes. That's what I was wondering too. What I would say to Adam is here's the problem is the robot doesn't feel where the center of gravity of the golf club is while it's swinging it. So I can make that robot hit half inch behind it. But in your case, if I give you two different clubs with two different center gravities, one, you might find the ground first way more often than you would with the other club because as a human, you feel where the center of gravity is. And as you're swinging the golf club, you're like, oh, that's not going to work. I got to do this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I completely understand that. I mean, it's it's the equivalent logic of if you give someone a face, a driver with a face that's four degrees open, in theory, they should present that driver four degrees more open than their real swing. But lots of players might see it four degrees open, and they'll end up swinging in a way that slams it even more shut. Correct. I, I do understand the logic of the human interaction being different. And that's why the only way around this is really to test all these different things on well, an individual maybe, level. Maybe what Adam's getting at, maybe I was, maybe we were getting at the same thing. I guess is it all things being equal, my suspicion, again, hmm. this is playing golf with both models, is that if you give me a three iron and then a three hybrid and I am going to hit a few shots fat, is that three hybrid my instinct is there will be a better outcome with that hybrid because of the turf interaction versus the three iron. I can't chunk yeah. it as easily. Correct. I, I was asking in the beginning, I think that's what I was getting as I, I feel like as a golfer, ground contact 
is harder as loft decreases. And I've found that the hybrid, at least for me, anecdotally, has removed that outcome. Or when it does happen, let's say I don't control the low point of the club as well, I'm still going to hit a better shot with that hybrid than I would have if it was a three iron. I think also you're probably the majority of players yeah. are going to do to do yes. better with that. Because, you know, you watch like the pros. Like remember when Tiger was hitting his you – know, he'd be hitting two irons and taking these crisp divots still and like launching the ball so high in the air because he's controlling everything. His loft presentation, his ground interaction, like it's so perfect. Whereas then you look at the 15 handicap and, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. They might be striking it three inches behind it a few times. And if you could give that golfer 30, 40 more yards on that shot where they're imprecise – most likely with the hybrid or the fairway versus the long iron, like that's worth something. We now know worth that's a, a decent amount strokes gained. You'd rather be 30 yards from the green than 80 yards from the green. That's a much easier up and down and easier bogey than making a double bogey. So that's what I was thinking about is the relief that's built into the hybrids and the, and the fairway woods is so much greater than the long irons. Correct. We're getting close to the end here. We're not going to keep you forever. I know you've, as we're recording this, Woody just carted a great round in a horrible, windy, cold, wet day at the Long Island Senior Open. And hopefully he's going back tomorrow if weather permits. So we want to make sure you get a good night's rest. Are there any other major points? I think we've covered, I think Adam's questions there at the end gave a really nice summary of the differences between the clubs. Is there anything else that's major that's sticking on your head? Like MOI, something like, I think we might have covered that a bit. And I think we have covered most of the questions on Twitter at this point as well. I have all the, the Twitter questions I can remember. I'm pretty sure I covered them all. all. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. I think we're good. Someone actually asked MOI matching or yes, swing weight matching. I remember that. I tend to like MOI matching a little better than I like swing weight matching. But reality is MOI matching a lot harder to do. Swing weight matching in these clubs is the traditional way it's done. But if you make me choose, I'd choose the MOI matching. But I don't think the average player would see much difference between either one of those, as long as the clubs are properly matched for that individual. Got it. And any other major – I mean, we, we discussed MOI a bit. There's the most MOI in the fairway wood, correct? Correct. Anything else to cover in MOI in general? But I think we, we did talk about it a bit. I think we covered it, most of All it. Right, good. We always come back to the same things in these episodes is getting fit is the best course of action, but not everyone has the opportunity to do that. So at least we try and have you on here just to explain the nuances of of these clubs and what they're capable of to hopefully make people get some better buying decisions. I'm hoping players are, if you can't get fit, hopefully you can, Adam was a perfect example. He's got two clubs in his bag that fly two different ways, but they go the same distance, but he's using them for two different shots, right? So I think if players can understand that and they're trying to get, what do I tend to do? I don't tend to ball up, get the ball up in the air more. I want to get more of a, a fairwood. Hit the ball really high and offline a lot. Maybe I want to I want to use a driving iron. Someone in the middle is hybrid. I think that's the gist of what you, what you get. Again, if, if you can get to somebody and they can give you some honest advice and not try and sell you something, just tell you, find out what's best for you. I think you have the best chance to enjoy the game the most. Great. I think we've covered it all then. I agree. So, Woody, where can everyone find you and your team? You can go to Pete'sGolf.com, www.Pete'sGolf.com. Myself or 
listen, I'm the one doing these podcasts, but there's no one that's fitting for me that's not going to go about doing this the same way that I do it and put the same care and have the same knowledge made better than me. The best news is that we've exchanged some text messages and you've told me that you have so many sweet spot listeners, people driving hours, flying in to see you from the show. So you've become a bit of a celebrity on here. And I'm glad that people are actually making the, the journey and they should because, yeah, sometimes I get the emails and I'm sure you're going to get more emails after this episode where we're asking like, who should I see? And sometimes like there just isn't an answer and to say, hey, if you're coming through New York, come see us. There's a lot of pressure when that person flies. Thank the Sweet Spot listeners who have come. I, it's it's amazing how I can't count there's that many that have driven and flown. And I had someone come in from St. Louis just two days ago, three days ago. Amazing. Nice. And there's a lot of pressure on me because I'm like, this poor guy booked a flight, stayed a hotel room, is doing his fitting today and flying home tonight just to come see me. Man, I better be, <laughs> I better be perfect here. <laughs> But it does great. It really is great. And I always ask them at the end, I'm like, is it what you expected? Less, better, you know, worse? And most of them say it was better than they expected. So that makes me feel even better. I just, you know, I want to do the best job that I can help them as best I possibly can. Well, I'll make my plug as usual because Woody's a humble guy. Any of the guys at Pete's Golf, whether it's Woody, anyone else there, top of the notch, Pete, Pete, Sonny, Sonny, Rob, Kirk, Rob, Sam. Kirk, and Oh, no, building the clubs like it's a tour yep. van in the back. I've been there. I've seen them turn people away who wanted to buy clubs and they said they didn't need them. You're not going to find more honest, more reputable people in the golf industry, in my opinion. And I really do mean that. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with the listeners. And we're we're going to keep having you come back on. We'll have to get more topics to explore. Now, that, I mean, we, we have – we've covered the bag. We've not done driver – now we've done fairway woods, long uh, driving irons and hybrids. We've done irons, wedges, and putters. So go back in the library and check those out, and we'll have you on for more discussion soon. Fantastic. Guys, thanks for having me so much. I, I really enjoy it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Woody. Yeah, and thanks to everyone for listening. We appreciate the support. Adam, where can they find you? AdamYoungGolf.com. All my informational products for training, improving your strike, improving your accuracy, John, where can people find you? Find me at Practical-Golf. And of course, check out my book, The Four Foundations of Golf, available on Amazon. And thanks again for everyone's support. And we'll see you next time with a new episode.